Welcome to For Your Listening Pleasure, a podcast that dives deep into important topics and fosters understanding by exploring captivating interviews with diverse guests, where we discuss how their unique experiences have shaped them into the individuals they are today. This podcast is committed to having honest and thought-provoking conversations to arouse curiosity and convey essential messages of empathy, inclusion, and diversity, one conversation at a time. I am your host, Mallory Waxman. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to be welcoming Christine Lawrence. Christine is currently the Senior Director of Media Insights and Analytics at WWE. Under her leadership, WWE has reached new heights, delivering entertainment to an astonishing 1 billion households across 180 countries and 30 different languages. Christine's passion for data analysis sparked at an early age, fueled by monitoring weekly viewership numbers of her favorite TV show, The X-Files, to her landing her dream job at Nielsen, which ultimately became a pivotal moment on her journey to success. In this episode, she shares valuable insights, highlighting the significance of teamwork, resilience, and seeking support when needed. Join us as Christine discusses her love for WWE and her role in fostering understanding through shared experiences worldwide. Tune in for inspiration from this mobilizing leader's incredible story. Listeners, before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about my new favorite kitchen gadget, the Berry Blaster. I don't know about you, but I love fresh strawberries during the warm summer months. The only downside is I hate how much fruit is wasted when you cut off the top of the strawberries. Well, I recently found the Berry Blaster, which helps prevent fruit waste. And all you have to do is pop off the tops and your berries are ready to eat. You don't need to be a savant in the kitchen to use the Berry Blaster, and it's even safe for children of all ages to use. The best part is the Berry Blaster contains no sharp knives, it's dishwasher safe, and it takes up little to no space in your kitchen. To learn more about the Berry Blaster, visit the link in this episode's show notes or go to Amazon and search Berry Blaster. Lastly, check them out on Instagram at the Berry Blaster and give them a follow. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Christine, thank you for joining me today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. You have such a unique career journey and you currently are at WWE. So we'll dive into that a little bit later in the episode. But right off college, you actually ended up starting to work for a cosmetics brand. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, First, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited about this too. Right out of undergrad, I actually went to work for my parents' cosmetics company. The company was called uh, CRL Marketing. It went through various names. It was uh, Creative Research Labs, uh, CRL Marketing. The brand we had was called Jessie's Girl. And Jessie's Girl was named for my dad. My dad is Jesse. Um, so he always jokes, you know, I think that I'm Jesse's girl. My mom thinks that she's Jesse's girl. Um, he'll never tell us the truth. Um, but it was it was really an interesting experience. I mean, I was working with family as its challenges, but it's also a great opportunity to, you know, really spread my wings and and learn some new on the job skills and get myself ready for a corporate job without the pressure of a job and it helped me honestly it helped me pay my way through grad school no absolutely and then from there you start to dabble in marketing and i feel like when people aren't exactly sure what they really want to go into somehow they make their way through marketing at some point And then it usually, they go into analytics or more data, or they just realize I don't want to do anything with marketing and go back to grad school. So after that experience, you did go back to grad school, but then you started working for the Nielsen company. And for those who aren't aware of it, they really are the ones that do all the like television analysis and figuring out what people are watching or not watching. And it is just data, data, data. Did you always know you were interested in that? I can trace it back to about middle school, which uh, my dream in middle school was I wanted to work for Nielsen, which is a really, really weird dream for a middle schooler to have. Uh, But it was it wasn't so much about I wanted to work with data and numbers, but more that I wanted to understand 
how TV worked and what people were watching and what people were interested in. And it all kind of goes back to uh, 1993 X-Files premieres. I'm 10 years old at the time, and I am immediately obsessed with this show. And I watched it every week. Like, you could not call me. You could not disturb me. I wouldn't even talk to my parents unless it was a commercial. Just, I was locked in. I loved that show. Um, And about four or five years in, they made the move from Friday nights to Sunday nights. And at the time, Friday night was a better night than Sunday night for TV. And a lot of people this is also early internet days i was admittedly uh on the internet all the time uh as a young person in forums talking about the x files and we started like a letter writing campaign trying to get them to move it back to friday because sunday was such a curse for it to be on sunday um and i started tracking the viewership performance in the newspaper because they used to publish weekly ratings in the newspaper. How old were you at this point? Uh, This would have been, let's see, I was 10 when the show premiered. So about 14, 15. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was a big old nerd and I'm proud of it. (laughs) There are certain things that I love and when they change it, I have been known to write letters and post and (laughs) badger the company to change things back so i understand i i went through actually in my storage unit um when we were my parents were moving i went through a lot of my old papers and i found like one of the old letters that was like the form letter we came up with that we were like writing and sending out um it was that was a trip down memory lane but so i started tracking the ratings in the newspaper at that point and I realized, like, this is what I want to do. Now, I, I wasn't great at math in middle school, high school. Like, I was I was good at math. But then when I got to really advanced stuff like statistics, that gave me panic attacks. Like, I legitimately had a panic attack in the middle of class. I hid under my desk. It was a whole thing. Um, I somehow managed to pass that class. Um but I did not think I was ever going to get into a career where math and numbers and statistics were like my everyday world. And now that's where I am. I think that's so funny, but real fast, what's so interesting about the X-Files, I had a other podcast guest, Madeline DiNono. She is the CEO and president of the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. And they really talked about the X-Files and the Sully effect because after Mm -hmm. that show premiered, you saw a huge upswing in women going into forensic science and more data heavy roles. So it's just so interesting. A lot more science, a lot more STEM fields. Scully had a huge impact. That you're talking about and you are a byproduct of that Scully effect. Uh, Not for nothing, but I have commemorated the X-Files in a giant tattoo on my leg and it's got a little Scully ID badge. I I very much relate. I used to dye my hair red like hers. I I was a fan. (laughs) We all have those like shows that we're obsessed with when we were younger. Mine was Everwood and when I went, oh wow! Off, yeah. When I went off the air, I was like, "Do not talk to me. No one come near me." I was the same, <laughs> so I can relate to that absolutely. But what was it like going to work for that dream company that you always wanted to work for? I was so over the moon when I got hired. I had interviewed at a job fair on campus. I had the job lined up before my graduation date. I was like, it could not have gone better for me. And I got there and I immediately dove into just learning every little possible thing I could. I I learned every platform I could. Uh, right around the time I started working at Nielsen, so this is 2006, they had just recently introduced DVR metrics. So you could look at viewership for more than just live viewing. You could actually look at if someone recorded it and played it back. And that was right around the time I started working there. So I was I was learning it with everybody else, but I was just I was so enthralled with 
having access to all this data. And yeah, it was a it was a corporate job. And I had a number of clients. I worked with financial clients and network clients and small producer clients. But every once in a while, when I had some free time, I just do a little digging on my own because I was very curious about the data. And after about two and a half years there, I realized there wasn't a lot of room for me to grow unless I went into sales. And sales is not a thing I ever wanted to do. So I started looking for other opportunities. And then you went to work for some companies where listeners might know MTV. Uh, You also were at Spike. So you definitely made your way to some pretty big channels during that time. But also, like you mentioned, with DVR, then you had TiVo and now, does anyone really have cable anymore or does everyone- I like might st- be the only person I know who still has cable. <laughs> I, I steal it from my parents, but it's just, it's so interesting that you've been in this industry and watching this data change consistently as technology has changed. What has that been like for you? Some days I feel like a dinosaur. I feel like- I am like an ancient relic of what TV was, but as someone who studied television, I, when I went back to grad school, I got my master's in television. Um, I, I love content. I love what's out there. And I don't necessarily care where that content is. It's on TV. It's on YouTube. It's on Hulu. It's on Netflix. It's wherever. Uh, right now it's on TikTok. You know, um, I... I just, I'm trying my best to follow the content and learn about where the content is because I don't, as much as I love dinosaurs, don't get me wrong, I don't want to be one. And I know that traditional TV has been, for lack of a better term, going extinct. Uh, It's not there yet, and I hope it's not there soon since I still work in the industry, but at some point, things are going to drastically change. And if I don't keep up with what's going on, what am I going to do? No, absolutely. And you now are at a company that has such a strong fan base. I remember when I was younger, my brother was really in to WWE and all the wrestlers and everything. And it was always on. And now as a 30-something, I have met individuals who still are committed to watching it all these years later. But you almost didn't pick up the phone when they were trying to get a hold of you to talk about this opportunity. Can you tell the listeners about that story? Because when we spoke about it, I thought it was so fascinating. Absolutely. So at the time I was working at Spike, um, which is a cable channel that no longer exists. So uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I was working there. We had um, we had just lost UFC and we had Bellator, which was a different MMA promotion in its place. And we had a wrestling promotion called Impact Wrestling. And I was working a lot on those properties while I was there. And I wasn't looking to go anywhere. I was really happy in my role. I loved the team I worked with. I loved my boss. I loved just the experience I was having there. And I got a phone call from a recruiter who was, you know, looking to fill a role at WWE. And I I wasn't planning on going anywhere. But I took the call anyway, and I'm really glad that I did because I've been here for almost 10 years now. And if I hadn't, you know, listened to that recruiter and that pitch and talked to some people, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, it's interesting during uh, prep calls with every guest, I usually ask them a question that more or less uh, poses, if you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would it be? And your response was answer the phone when people call. And even if you're happy in your job or you're good where you're at, I think having those conversations and learning about the opportunities at least allows you to see what else is out there. Yeah, not only do you see what else is out there, but you you can really find out if you're being undervalued 
in what you're doing, or if there's a skill that it wasn't on your radar that you really need to brush up on to stay ahead of the curve. When I think of WWE, um, obviously wrestling, it's a very masculine image that comes to mind for me. I think that they've done a really good job in recent years with total divas and the Bella twins and everything to kind of bring in that female fan base a little bit more. But when I really think of WWE, it's wrestling, it's men, it's the rock or triple H or I might be dating myself with these names, but those are the ones I remember. And those are the names everyone remembers. Yes. So, but what has it been like for you as a female to come in to such a masculine organization? Well, the good news was I knew about it ahead of time. I knew what I was getting myself into. I actually knew someone who worked here who had previously worked at Spike as well. So she kind of gave me the heads up about what the culture was like here at the time I was coming in. I was very lucky that the team that I was working on was primarily female at the time. My boss was female and my two other, actually the entire team was female. Now that I think about it, it was four of us. um, And then we hired another person, also female. Then we hired our first guy, (laughs) which is not my experience most of the time. But um, I was very lucky that I was in a team that I had a a great example of female leadership who could, you know, help help me adjust to what the culture was like there. And and I'm not going to lie. There were some days it was it was bro-y. I mean, at the end of the day, we're a corporate office. It's not like people are wrestling in the hallways or anything. Although I have on more than one occasion suggested that we should settle our disputes by, you know, hitting people with chairs. Um, I don't know. HR doesn't like that kind of thing. (laughs) But uh, it's it was very, very overwhelmingly male and overwhelmingly white male. And I just tried really hard to not think about that, which maybe wasn't the best way to go about it when I started. Um, We did get really lucky. We had some great female leadership in like the executive offices. Um, Michelle Wilson had been our co-president for a while. Stephanie McMahon had been the chief brand officer and they got together. Uh, I want to say it was 2019 and they founded our first employee resource group at the company, which was our women's affinity group. And the first meeting that we had, there were 200 people there in a, in a ballroom at a hotel having this, you know, panel discussion with Michelle and Stephanie and there was even some of our female talent there um, as attendees, not as panelists, but also just attending like us other, you know, non on-screen employees. And just seeing that many people invested in the opportunities for women, I knew we were moving in the right direction, like absolutely moving in the right direction. I mean, we, that was like a quarter of the company <laughs> at that meeting. Well, what I also love that you said, this was in 2019, before 2020, before I feel like companies start to see that women and those minorities wanted to have these kind of groups or they should be thought of more. Or, you know, you saw all these like initiatives happening in corporate America, but WWE took it upon themselves before this all started rolling out to really step up to the plate. Where has the women's affinity group grown to now, three or four years later? So we did struggle through COVID. It's very hard to launch an organization and then shut down your offices and not have anybody be in person to network with each other. Um, In January of 2020, so two months before the shutdown, we actually had our first leadership team installed. I was very fortunate to be one of the inaugural co-chairs of the organization. And our leadership team had a 
tough road to put on events for our membership while the offices were closed. We did a lot of virtual events and Zoom burnout is real. <laughs> we we struggled through that. But when we came back, we came back stronger than ever. We hosted this incredible fundraising event that was also a chance for our members and non-members who might become members to just get together and celebrate. Um, it was our first annual give back fundraiser where we raised money for Connor's Cure and the V Foundation, um, which is a childhood cancer uh, organization that is near and dear to our hearts here. And we raised $12,000 through that event. Um, WWE employees are very giving of their time and their money. They, th I could not praise people here enough for the work that they do inside and outside of actual work. Um, so that was you know, one of those things that we did. We've done networking with uh, NBC Sports' women's group where – building other opportunities. Um, I'm now transitioned out of that co-chair role, but I stayed in leadership as the uh, development coordinator, which is really exciting for me. It's a role I kind of created for myself to help um, shape workshops and learning opportunities. And we're getting ready to launch a uh, leadership kind of development program for our members. Um, we're actually sending a communication out in a couple of days. <laughs> no, I love that. And currently your role at WWE is you are the Senior Director of Media Insights and Analytics. With that role, what have you seen like the difference really being in the last few years? You talk about the pandemic. Obviously, everyone was kind of off on their own, that includes your on-air talent. You weren't able to do big WrestleManias and big, you know, matches. How did that affect um, the organization? Well, we're one of the few organizations that didn't go off the air during the pandemic. We remained a 52-week-a-year company. Uh, we put on live shows or pre-taped shows um, every week during the shutdown. Uh, our talent did incredible work. Uh, and it, it, let me tell you, it is hard to wrestle in front of nobody because the talent really feeds off of that energy of the crowd. And so not having that crowd to feed off of is it just makes their job that much harder. But they're incredible workers, and they put on amazing shows. We did some great storytelling during that time. We also came up with some really cool innovations. Like um, we had the Thunderdome, which was our way to virtually get fans back into the stands. It was a custom-built uh, arena-type setup with screens, and people were actually live on those screens watching from home. So we still had the WWE Universe there while we were putting some of these shows on, and that made a huge difference. No, absolutely. And that I've heard that from other athletes when they've done interviews, whether it was the NBA or MLB, that it was really uncomfortable almost to be performing or playing or their games or whatever it was without fans there, like how important the fans really are to that energy while the event is going on. Yeah. You really feed off of that energy that they put out there and it, it just makes you do so much better because you want them to engage with you and you're performing to them. And yeah, you're performing to the camera and performing to the crowd at home, but you have no idea what the crowd at home is reacting like. Whereas in an arena, you can hear the people cheering. You can hear the people booing. You can hear the, this is awesome chants. You can hear everything. So when there's not a crowd there, it's, it's so bizarre. It's just, I, I don't think I could have done it. So more power to our talent for being able to do it. And obviously you look at the analytics that are coming from viewership. 
and being 52 weeks a year, and you guys kept going through the pandemic, did you see an uptick in new followers or new viewers or maybe people coming back after a few years of not following the storylines? We definitely saw growth in especially the earlier parts of the pandemic era. Um, There wasn't a lot of competition for us, and that was a great opportunity for people to rediscover us. Of course, they were rediscovering quite a different product uh, without the audience there. But that was also a great marketing opportunity for us to market, you know, the WWE network or our partnership with Peacock to, you know, see some of our older content and catch up on what they had missed. So we definitely took those opportunities. And it was actually around that time when my previous boss had decided he, well, I guess it was about a year into that. He had decided he wanted to move on and head somewhere else. And it was also time for me to step into his shoes. So I really just view this whole pandemic era shift as a huge shift in my career. And as you took that next role, we talked about last time we chatted about the importance of showing up as a female manager and really paving the way for younger employees who maybe are starting out off in their careers or looking for more mentorship. Can you talk about some of the things you do with your team to establish great mentorship? Absolutely. One of the things I believe in is lifelong learning for myself and my team. So whenever I find opportunities that are relevant, I like to share them with my team. Here's an article I read. Here's a webinar I think you should join. Uh, I, you know, here's a course on LinkedIn learning or a course that our learning and development is offering that I think would be really great for you to grow in this space. I've taken this course and I think you're going to really get a lot out of it. Um, I don't suggest things to a team that I haven't tried because I, I just don't think that would be fair. Like, you know, I I see myself as as someone who walked the path before them so that they know it can be done. And I just, I wish I had a leader like that when I was younger, because it it's hard to see yourself in some of these executive roles when they're all, you know, look, I, I t- I'm not ashamed to admit it. I am an out of shape white woman. <laughs> I am not like, a conventionally CEO looking put together woman. <laughs> but I aspire to get there. What I mean, not to get to that look, but to get to that role. And I I don't have someone necessarily in mind that I see myself, oh, I could be that person. So I want to be that person for the people who are coming after me. Look, you don't have to fit that mold. Look, you can be authentically yourself and still succeed. It's is very important to me that I'm not pretending to be someone I'm not and giving my team the psychological safety net of look, you can be yourself here as well. And then aside from, you know, getting our work done, w- one of the things I do with my team is every other Friday we have, uh, we refer to it lovingly as no work talk allowed time. It's a, a half hour every other Friday where we get together and we play games. We're not allowed to talk about work at all. It's just catching up with each other, playing code names, playing scribble. Uh, we played heads up a couple of weeks ago. Just, you know, getting together, bonding as a team and I I mean, don't tell them. I hope they don't hear this, uh, but I do hope they hear this. <laughs> um, I'm also observing how they're playing and working together. I'm learning how they think. I'm I'm learning how they communicate with each other. And I can adapt what I'm working with them on to what I pick up in these games. But it's not work when we're doing it. It's just having a good time, blowing off some steam, celebrating that we made it through another week. You hit on so many points I want to dive a little deeper in, but the first one is when you are talking about having 
someone to look up to. It's really hard when you want to be your authentic self and show up, but you see that there's people more in the C-suite that have molded or shifted or more or less, it's a little cookie cutter up in Mm -hmm. there. And it's hard when you're like, well, I don't want to have to change who I am to get there, but I know I can get there and that's my end goal, but I still want to be me. And I think that's something that's so wonderful about what you just said, that you're not going to change who you are to get there and that you're paving that way. Because I I know sometimes when I look at some, I've been in some companies, you look at who's on top and you're like, I, I don't want to dress like that, or I don't want to act like that. That's not who I am. Yeah. I mean, today is a a bad example. Today, I'm just wearing like branded gear, but I'll, I'll show up into the office with super bright colors. My hair is dyed blue, um, which honestly at WWE, you wouldn't think is that uncommon, but there are very few of us here that I've met on the more corporate side that have unnaturally colored hair, uh, which makes me very recognizable uh, for better or worse. <laughs> but I, I'm going to dress the way I'm comfortable as long as it fits within the dress code. I'm going to, you know, speak my mind when I need to. I'm going to use the language that makes sense for me as long as it's appropriate. I'm going to present things in a way that uh, I know what I'm talking about And I'm going to make it so that you understand why I know what I'm talking about in a language that we can work with together instead of sounding like some analytical robot or, you know, throwing corporate jargon left and right. I I don't want to be that person. It's interesting to talk about presentation style. I have a very unique way of presenting. I will incorporate some jokes or I'll kind of feed off because I it's boring when you're presenting and everyone has a straight face. Like I want to make you smile a little laugh, but it's more jokes that if you know me there, you'll laugh about it more or less today. For example, we were going over someone's name and they were like, Oh, Sarah without an H. I'm like, like the Fleetwood Mac song. And everyone (laughs) was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, she's obsessed with Fleetwood Mac. It makes sense, but it's just, you want to find your own spin on it that also shows you know what you're doing. You can be a boss and present and execute, but you're also still allowing people to see a glimpse into who you are outside of the office, which kind of brings me to the next point I want to talk about was the games on Friday. I love that you as a manager are watching how they interact together because I think to work effectively as a team, you need to understand how do people like to communicate? Who's the one that takes the first step and who's a little bit more um, subdued? Who wants to work more collectively together while who likes to be more of an individual contributor? These are things you can't really see while you're in the work. It takes something like sports or games to really see that structure. Was that something you were taught or was that something you yourself started? That's something I just started doing. Um, It started... When we came back from COVID uh, and we came back into the offices, uh, I had taken over this team and I didn't really know everybody's, you know, personalities from, you know, I knew a couple of people I worked more directly with and they moved on. So I was really getting to know people and I was trying to find myself as a leader and I love games. I love puzzles. Um, I can solve a Rubik's Cube in under five minutes, which doesn't sound fast if you're a speed cuber, but sounds infinitely fast if you're a normal person. I've never solved one, so that's <laughs> amazing to me. Um, but I, my mom and I put puzzles together. When I go visit for Christmas, uh, we do 10 or 12 puzzles while I'm down there. Uh, until recently, I had one sitting on my table in my office. I just packed it up the other day. But... It's it's all different ways of problem solving. And it's also a great way to just not think about the stressful stuff we're working on. We can take a half an hour out of a day, one day every two weeks, and just chill. And 
everybody seemed to enjoy the first game we played and wanted to keep doing it. We occasionally expand it to folks outside of our own team. We've actually, uh, within the last six months, we started doing a more department-wide games um, every quarter or so. So we can interact with some other teammates who we don't work with on a regular basis, uh, which is also just a great way to get to know people. And I mean, I joined the company Bowling League because I wanted to interact with people and also because I love bowling. Um, And then I injured my knee and I couldn't finish the season, which was disappointing. But I, I just love that interaction with people. And we spend so much time working WWE we're hard workers. We work hard. We play hard. I love that you guys have a bowling league. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I think there's also a, a kickball league and there might be a like a softball team. But bowling, I mean, I, I bowled with my dad when I was a kid. I bowled with my mom when I was a kid. My parents got me a dinosaur eye bowling ball for Christmas last, not last year, year before last. Um it's so cool. <laughs> I just wanted to show it off everywhere. I drive around with it in my car all the time because you never know when there's a bowling emergency that's going to come up. I love that. That's so funny. You'll have to send me a picture so I can see what it looks like. And oh, I'll I post, absolutely will. I'll post it for <laughs> listeners who are wondering, like, what's a dinosaur eye bowling ball look like? Oh, um, there's a picture of me with the bowling ball and my Jurassic Park jacket. Um, Jurassic Park, the other thing I'm completely obsessed with. Um, also from 1993, 10 years old was very formative for me. <laughs> no, absolutely. But I think you're talking about how, yes, you guys work really hard 52 weeks a year. That's a lot. There's no breaks. You got to keep going. But you guys also seem to have a great culture where you're learning about one another. You're connecting with other people. There's opportunities to meet others from different departments if you want to join bowling or any of the other clubs which is so nice to hear because when you think of WWE, it's like hardcore and intense and slamming people on tables (laughs) and jumping off the cages. It's, but it's so nice to hear that behind the scenes, corporate is a very open and evolving company. Absolutely. I mean, look, we do work long hours sometimes. Yes. There are teams that work crazy hours to get our events happening it's it's monday right now while we're recording this and raw is going live in 25 minutes so there's a team that's going to be working tonight on that and then my team picks up tomorrow where we'll get to report on how it did uh and it's kind of you know my team is is part of the support system for everybody in this company and while they have to do all of this hard work up front we pick up on the back end and everybody like none of this works if if we don't all do it together so i really appreciate getting to know the people that i'm supporting outside of just here's an email where i'm sending you this information here's an email where you're asking me a question but really hey it was great to see you at that event last week i know we were talking about xyz how can my team support you better? And, you know, how's your family doing? Like it's, we're people and it's nice to see your coworkers as people and not just machines that do work, push buttons, get numbers, put content on air. We're, we're people and we're supporting people. And it's just really important to remember that. So I have a friend who's a big WWE fan, and when I had mentioned to him that I was going to be talking to you, his biggest question, and I promised I would ask it, was, does your team help with the storylines? Because you're seeing the ratings and what's kind of going up and down. Do you guys have any say or provide any research to how the storylines play out and also who wins the big events? Um, we have an indirect line to that. So let's say Raw's airing tonight and we'll get the data tomorrow. That information does get shared with the entire creative team. So they know how the show performed, but it's not just the big number about how the show performed. It's also 
How did each match perform in the show? How was the social media feedback? How are clips of different matches performing? And the creative team is taking all that information, plus all of their years of experience in putting this kind of content together. And they're ultimately making whatever decisions they're going to make, but we're making sure they're armed with whatever information they need in case they would like to use it. Obviously, I think it's relatively black and white to get analytics from TV, but as you're just answering that question, Twitter, social, Instagram, TikTok, there are countless of different sources giving you data. How do you guys compile all that into one source? Oh, it can be painstaking. <laughs> we we do have a couple of services that we are subscribed to that aggregate that data for us, but we've also worked with our technology team here to build some automations that will collect data from a website and aggregate it into tables for us so that we can analyze it. Um, a lot of what I'm going to call the technical jargon of, of putting these things together. And then my team is going in and, you know, helping build dashboards. We're pulling data, answering questions after every premium live event, you know, like WrestleMania, which just happened a couple of weeks ago. Time flies. Wow. You know, after every event like that, we're, we're analyzing all of the content we put out, how many people are watching it, how long are they spending watching it? You know, what, talent is on the videos that are popping the most what storyline is getting the most traction and we're sharing that information with the team that publishes that content on social media so they know what's working and what's not um, we share that with the creative teams so they know what's working and what's not and whether or not they want to lean into something uh there's uh you know Obviously, our marketing team wants to know what talent is performing well because they might want to do a sponsorship deal and they might want that talent to be involved. Uh, we have um, some of my colleagues, so not necessarily my team directly, but some of my colleagues work with sales and partnerships or advertising or live event ticket sales or merchandise sales and all of the data that all of our teams use, plus you know, survey data that a colleague of mine does to know what the fans are actually talking about and thinking about. Uh, we have a team that's analyzing what's being said on Twitter or Reddit and you know, just looking at what kind of feedback we can get from there to really understand, yeah, we had a lot of viewers, but did we actually do a good job? It's it's not just this is a great number, awesome, end of day. No, it's how do we keep doing that? What did we do right? What didn't we do right? And at the end of the day, all that we can do is tell that story to the people who need to hear it and hope that they do something with it. That's so fascinating to me, all these different platforms and partnerships and marketing. And I think there's still action figures out there. I don't know. Oh, yes, but, there yeah, are. Okay. Like and the <laughs> shirts and the merch, how this all comes into play because it's its own universe, WWE, what it's built up to today. And I can only imagine the Reddit forms and how deep dive that could be. Yeah. That that could probably be a job in itself, just going through Reddit, reading what it absolutely could be. And that's thinking. where some of our very skilled folks here come in handy, building their processes to help kind of scrape that data and use natural language processing or um, machine learning to really understand. Um, Cause there's, there's a difference. Like you can look at Twitter and I could interpret a tweet as very positive that an app or a service is going to interpret as negative based purely on the wording. So there is a big difference between that match was shit and that match was the shit. So, you know, and that's, that's something I think about with, you know, AI and the growth of chat GPT and things like that. There, you lose a little bit of this human knowledge and interpretation, and that's what we're here for is to interpret some of that stuff. That your job is so fascinating to me because 
there's so many different moving aspects like we've talked about, but also as the technology keeps changing, you have to come up with new ways to interpret it in a way that the company can utilize to help make the product better ultimately. Absolutely. I mean, every time a new social media platform launches, we have to learn an entire new language almost. I mean, we're looking at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, Snapchat, Instagram. That's the ones I can think of off the top of my head. There might be others. Uh, Plus TV data for the U.S., TV data for international. We're looking at streaming data for Hulu or Peacock or anywhere else that we're licensed out that we can look at. There's there's a lot there. And then I'm sure there's fan pages and websites and forums and you know, this is one podcast. I'm sure there's guys out there that have podcasts with their friends about talking about it. And the list goes on and on, really. Absolutely. There are there are tons of podcasts and websites and, you know, accounts that are out there that are devoted to talking about this product, which is always fascinating to me. I mean, it's it's been especially fascinating in the last few years to read things on Twitter about my job, like not me specifically, but like the work that I do is being talked about on Twitter. And it's it's so surreal sometimes. Like I feel like if I worked at Target, that's not happening. Nobody's talking about what I do behind the scenes at Target, but you know, people are talking about every little single thing that goes on at WWE. They're invested in the brand, the company, the talent um, to a degree I don't think I've ever seen in any other sport. Well, I'm think, a big sports fan. I think that's so full circle because we started off while you were talking about your love of X-Files and, you know, have getting together in chat rooms to talk about it. And now you work for a company where people are still doing that. Oh yeah. It's really is a full circle moment. Like the WWE is these people's X-Files for me. Yeah. I love that. Before we dive into the final three questions, what has been your favorite memory working at WWE? Oh gosh, that's, I, I want to say my favorite memory is actually, now this is going back a number of years, but it's actually WrestleMania 30. It was the first WrestleMania when I was working here. So I went to WrestleMania 29 as a fan before I even knew this job existed. And then by WrestleMania 30, I was working here and I was involved. I got to go to New Orleans I got to work at the event. I got to meet fans. I got to work with the talent. I got to attend the show. Um, And at the time, I also got to bring my boyfriend, now husband, uh, with me. He he traveled down, stayed in the hotel with me. We got tickets to WrestleMania. He came with me. And the, the, the couple who ended up being the best man and maid of honor for our wedding it was their anniversary weekend and they came too. So we went together. So my, my best memory of being here isn't necessarily just about being here, but it's about all of the experience that I got to have because I was here. I love that so much. Thinking about that. I have like chills. So, (laughs) well, thank you so much. I know how busy you are and I appreciate you coming on and talking about your journey and everything about WWE and how you're really paving the path for future leaders as well to follow your example. I end every episode with the final three questions. And the first question is, if you had a quote or a mantra that you live by, what would that be? Uh, It's a Henry Ford quote. Anyone who stops learning is old at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. That is absolutely how I define my life and my purpose is to keep learning and help people keep learning. I think that's so fitting, especially in the field you're in because technology and platforms keep changing. So you do get to keep learning. 
The second question is, if you could relive any one day, which day would you choose? Uh, September 19th, 2015. That was my wedding day. Uh, if I could relive that day without having to pay for everything again, I would do it every year. It was the most amazing day of my life. It was just so full of love and friendship and celebration and it went by way too quickly and I don't remember eating anything a lot of guests have set their wedding day and I just love the reason behind it and usually it's because everyone that they love were all in one room together yeah I to get that crowd it I got married in a movie theater um and I'll have to send you a picture from that too. Oh my God, that's please, incredible. please. But um, if I could, if I could do that all over again, I absolutely would just to get that crowd in that theater again and see them all in one place and celebrate. I love that. The final question is if you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would you choose? And I feel like this is also really fitting WWE, you have your walkout song. So we're kind of combining it. So this this was a real challenge for me because I do actually have a WWE-esque theme song that a friend of mine who used to work here made for me. But if I was going to pick a song that anybody could listen to, it's like the song that gets me hype before I do stuff. It's Britney Spears' Work Bitch. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You, when we talked, you were like, I know exactly what song it was going to be. You weren't going to tell me until the recording. I love that. That's actually the first Britney song. And I agree. It's just like, you got to work. I, I listen to it almost every day that I drive into work just to hype myself up to get here. And it's just like, it makes me feel so like, like such a boss. I love it. That will be added to the For Your Listening Pleasure theme song playlist on Spotify so listeners can hear your theme song along with everyone else's. Again, Christine, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure to get to talk to you and learn more about you. And I look forward to staying friends in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I cannot believe how fast this time has gone. 